0: To think that this is gonna go away in another year or so, not the virus, but I mean just how we sort of treat patients via remote settings, via in-person, it's not gonna happen. Everything is going to change going forward. How we treat patients is gonna change. Um, Patient called to say, I'm so sorry, I can't make it today to the visit. Is there any way that I can just transition to to telehealth for tonight? So of course, that's the beauty of having this kind of, I don't know, gone through. We we had it available, we just never really did it that much because of PT so hands-on.
1: Welcome to Fit as a Fiddle. My name is Dr. Sneha Ghazi and I'm a physical therapist and business owner in New York City. Each episode, we bring you phenomenal guests in the health and wellness industry who share inspiring tips and tangible advice. This podcast is for a community of people who want to keep their mind, Body and spirit, healthy and thriving. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe, review, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and welcome to today's episode on Fit as a Fiddle. Today we have my former professor at Columbia University. I'm super excited to have him on the show today and reconnect. Uh, His name is Dr. Rami Saeed. He is the director of the Columbia University's physical therapy faculty practice in Tarrytown, New York, and he is also the instructor of rehabilitation and regenerative medicine at Columbia University. So, Dr. Saeed, thank you so much for doing this and taking time out of your busy schedule.
0: It's so good to reconnect with you and see you, uh, albeit through Zoom, but uh, this is our new reality for now. but it's really nice. I, I miss you. I miss seeing you. I miss interacting with you. So I'm so glad we had the time to carve out in our schedules to do this.
1: Absolutely. I am so happy that we're doing this as well. Um, so you're obviously like one of the smartest people that I know in the physical therapy world and beyond. Um, you have you taught me so much. Like half of what I do in my clinical practice is like a lot of the principles that you've taught. And so I really I want the audience to know that um, does somebody have a lot of respect for And uh, admire a lot in the field. So, thank you for being a big influence in my life. Thank you. Um, That was
0: really sweet. Thank you. Very, very modest and (laughs) humble.
1: And I hope that the audience today gets to also learn something from you as well. So our topic today and something that I think that you can speak um, very specifically to having gone through the year that we have is um, the impact of the pandemic, particularly into graduate schools, especially a rigorous of a school as Columbia University, um, with all the things that go into um, graduate school, specifically in healthcare as well, which is such a hands-on field. Physical therapy being, I think, arguably one of the most hands-on fields, uh, historically speaking. I think 2020 has changed that a lot with all the telehealth. Um, We've learned a lot of new skills, but at least from a teaching perspective, I mean, I can just remember going back to school, my first year, I don't know how I would have done a cadaver dissection without being in the lab with all the people and having that support system and sure, you can do technology and all that. But, um, I'm excited to hear about all this from you and your thoughts on it. So.
0: Yeah. So I'll give you a little bit of a background as to sort of a little story time as to what happened with us at the university. So, uh, the pandemic started to rise in its rates and, um, it was literally the night before our therapeutic exercise final, which is the one of the courses that I will uh, be a part of in the curriculum. And uh, the practical is a very hands-on type of uh, exam. And so we immediately got the email from the president of the university saying that all classes going forward on both campuses are uh, immediately canceled in light of the pandemic. So all everything had to be put on hold. So um it was i remember it distinctly it was 10 p.m. at night i'm usually in bed by like 9 and i don't know why i was up that night but i was and i got the email and then uh quickly had to readjust and let all the students know that we have to postpone and um probably they were happy about it maybe maybe they weren't but quickly um that led to the entire shutdown of all of our ambulatory physical therapy clinics and including ours Until further notice until we can figure out what was going to be the process going forward. So We quickly got into multiple zoom meetings and multiple FaceTime calls with the faculty with our um, Department administrators to figure out what the next steps were so From the faculty side of things we had to get a little bit of direction as to what were we going to be able to do what we were not going to be able to do for the short term um, I uh, Kind of uh, time frame in that in that particular semester we had to shift everything to online. Nothing was going to be in person and in fact nothing was allowed to be in person for the rest of the summer and as you know we go through our summer semesters also doing very much a lot of hands-on work. So the, the first thing that we did as a faculty was we took a look at each class's curriculum that was remaining for their requirements to graduate. And we said, well, what is it that can be uh, transitioned to an entirely online format? What can we move up into the current semester, even though it may be offered later in their curriculum? What can we do entirely online and not have to worry about hands on? So that we can prepare and essentially create more time for The students to do their hands-on training when the time comes that we're allowed to be in person again so that's exactly what we did we had to be very creative with our practical quote-unquote exams and make them as um, as much as we could able to test the students knowledge practically uh, on an online setting if it was appropriate so in therapeutic exercise while um, we would love to have you educate a patient and show a patient a particular exercise or do something in that sense, we transitioned to show us what you would do as if, as if you were demonstrating to this patient what the exercise would be. And so we would evaluate that student in, on Zoom and see how they're doing. And so we came up with a specific protocol as to what their environment had to be like, what, the, what they were allowed to use as props, what they were allowed to do. Um, for a, um, a PT setting as if it were a telehealth, actually, intervention or telehealth uh, uh, situation. So we, we quickly did that within a few weeks. Other classes did things that were very similar as best as they could to stay within the syllabus and the curriculum. But everything that had to be hands-on, such as your orthopedic classes and the orthopedic practicals, had to be pushed to a later time frame, and, and again we didn 't know when the later time frame essentially became the fall, so we got the uh, okay from the departments and the president to essentially go ahead in the fall and um, practice social distancing, practice all this protective um, uh, wearing PPE, and uh, you are now allowed to go ahead into the labs. What we did was we took a look at what we had to halt at the time, and where in the fall could we bring these students back to go ahead and finish the requirements that they had for the classes that were incomplete because of the spring and the summer. So we had to first abide by social distancing rules, and the first thing that we said was, okay, we have 60 or 70 something students in our class or in this cohort of first, second or third years. What is the uh, maximum number of students that we could have per group? And it turned out to be somewhere in the vicinity of 25 or 30 students. How many instructors can we have in that same space to still meet the requirements of social distancing? And then that's how we came up with how many lab groups we would be able to have. So it became a lot more work on us as faculty members, because essentially, as you remember, we would do one lab for three hours or so, and everyone gets taught at the same time in the same classroom, etc. And we would have multiple instructors somewhere around six to eight instructors. It turned into we had to do it either two or in the first year's situation, we had to do it three times over. And the faculty had to basically um, do as best as we can to accommodate the time frame, accommodate the students, abide by social distancing within the classroom itself. So um, that was the first thing. We figured out when were the students gonna be able to come back and um, be able to do their hands-on learning. So everything that was able to be taught in an online platform We did from the spring into the summer and then in some cases into the early fall so that they had enough time to either A, go into the clinic when the clinics reopened because I haven't even talked about that yet, but the clinics closed. So we had to find really creative ways to get our students to have the requirements to graduate. And then figure out what were we going to do with the students whose summer affiliations were canceled or postponed because of the pandemic rules and, and lockdown situations across the country. So, um, we basically created time and bought ourselves time so that everybody can come back in the fall and um, be prepared to do whatever hands-on work was necessary. So think of it as Labapalooza. We basically had lab every other day or every day, in some cases, to try to cover all the material that was missed from the spring and the summer, depending on which year you were in. And so that's what we did for our second and third year students. Our 30 year students, thankfully, um, our DCE team, um, Dr. Bruff and Dr. Stewart did a phenomenal job of, of finding out what were, the CAPTI requirements that were going to be needed for our 30-year students who were taken out of the clinic abruptly in the spring to graduate. And if we had a few students that needed to meet certain requirements, we got them to complete those requirements within our faculty practice doing telehealth co-treatments with us as uh, uh, clinicians. So that's the other, kind of end of the spectrum as to what we did from a uh, educational perspective is that we as the faculty practice did not close. Um, We transitioned all of our patients to a telehealth platform, even though we really didn't know if it was going to be covered by insurance or, or whatnot, or even if it was going to be somewhat helpful for patients. But we said, Even if we don't get paid for this, this is something that humanity can probably benefit from or patients that have been working with us should be able to benefit from. And so we did it. And um, later on, found that it was going to be uh, reimbursed by insurance and that was just icing on on a cake really. But the good news is we were able to still see those patients. And so we set up Zoom meetings with patients um, and, Zoomed in students that needed the uh, extra clinical hours to work with us in order to suffice their clinical requirements to graduate. And so thankfully we were able to do that over uh, a two month period of time, um, despite the lower census of patients that were still coming in through uh, Zoom. So that was what we sort of did in a nutshell. what we did for first year, second year, and third year students was we partnered them with someone that they were either living with or that they were currently or very often uh, studying with.
1: That's smart. And
0: we told them that's who your partner is for the rest of this uh, term. There's no sh- uh, splitting of partners. There's no sharing, etc. cetera. Um, with the only caveat being if anyone had an illness or tested positive or something along those lines, then we would kind of change things up and see what's what's going on all the students had to come back and test before they returned uh obviously with with respect to the guidelines that the university put out and um we went forward with minimizing any sort of risk by by doing that and it worked out really well
1: wow that's intense
0: Long-winded answer, but that is uh, the juggling that we had to do as a, as a faculty, and I'm sure we're not the only ones. I'm sure other faculty programs had to do something very similar, if not um, you know, very close or, or exactly like that. You know?
1: Yeah, no, totally. It sounds like, I mean, it's busy enough to have to teach students and to have a clinical practice that faculty have to run. Um, And that's the way Columbia set up. And I think many, many uh, institutions also have that set up where you're teaching students, but you also have patients to treat. And then on top of that, you just have to literally reshape 100% of everything, restructure it, juggle it around, play Tetris with it, (laughs) (laughs) just make it work. And it sounds like it's working.
0: It, it is. And I'll tell you what's really interesting. You know, I'm very much an optimistic person. The glass is always half full. What can you find out of this that is good? Mm-hmm. Um, this has not been a great situation for the world entirely. But in our small little world of education and PT schools and stuff, I think we could really learn from this. I, I think that maybe our curriculum at Columbia is so dense with material at the same time for students who are um, starting out their, their education, et cetera. Maybe this format was actually a blessing in disguise. Maybe it's something we will consider going forward. I mean, all of that is still up in the air and stuff for us to discuss, but I really feel as if we could really draw out some some really good things out of this, we never had a telehealth rehab elective and so just based on the work that we did in the faculty practice just going rogue and not waiting for approval we just decided to do it with 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 our patients practitioners at nyp in columbia started asking us hey how did you make this work and we kind of set the platform up and tried to help everybody else in the ambulatory pt setting say this is what you need to do this is what has to happen and based on that, Dr. Krasinski, our program director, basically said, hey, this is an elective. We can teach our students how to conduct a telehealth rehab uh, inter, um, evaluation, a treatment session, etc." So within, I don't know, two months, we created an elective. And so, boom, just more things that we could offer our students. And it's very practical. I mean, to think that this is going to go away in another year or so. Not the virus, but I mean just how we sort of treat patients via remote settings, via in-person. It's not going to happen. Everything is going to change going forward. How we treat patients is going to change. Patient called to say, I'm so sorry, I can't make it today to the visit. Is there any way that I can just transition to to telehealth for tonight? So, of course, that's the beauty of having this kind of, I don't know, gone through. We, We had it available we just never really did it that much because of pt so hands-on but i really think that pt is not just hands-on it's also educational we can really reach out and affect a patient's rehab just by being with them either remotely and guide them through exercise and educational consultation just as much as we can uh, in person i i fully believe in person so so much better but when in doubt or when in, when you can't do it in person, this is a great alternative.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think, so right before this, I was uh, doing a Facebook Live for a mom group on pelvic floor PT. And the moms were like, oh, can you can you do this rehab virtually? I'm like, "Hun, I have evaled and discharged patients all through telehealth. And is it the most ideal situation? No, at, not at all. Would I rather be hands-on with you and be face-to-face with you? Absolutely. But like, can we get the job done? Yeah, we can. And it, and I also said, and something that I've realized doing that over the last, you know, eight plus months now is the patients, it's almost like a blessing in a way for the patients, for certain patients, because they have to become so much more intuitive and they have to know what's going on in their bodies and they don't rely on your manual therapy. Like I, like my tennis ball is like my handy daddy Sneha. And I tell them, you can name it Sneha if you need to, but like, what do you think PTs do when they get hurt? Like we right. use the cupping sets and the tennis balls and the foam rollers and the wall and <laughs> teach our husbands and family members how to do like a manual technique or like pull my leg this way and that'll help crack this. So, you know, you have to use your environment and that makes you so much more self-sufficient and so much more independent and not rely on my hands so much. And it actually sped up some of the healing process for yeah, many people.
0: well, absolutely. The, the evidence is out there. Passive interventions such as manual therapy or modalities helps a lot with pain control and uh, other, other things that are like limited movement, et cetera. But the one thing that is the longest lasting effect has always been active interventions. And if telehealth can do anything, it's certainly give a patient an outlet and understanding as to how active they can be around their environment, in their house, independently. And that goes such a long way. So. I think this was a blessing in disguise for our profession. This will hopefully uh, show our profession, but also patients who really didn't kind of understand that this could be really helpful, that there is a utility in doing things, even if you're not in person with someone.
1: Absolutely. The other thing is um, I feel like people sort of have to, you know, One one really good thing that came out of it is uh, so I went in person, right? Let me put it this way. I would go see people in their homes. So Concierge PT. I see you in your environment already and so I know like what are the body mechanics for lifting your baby out of the crib or What what are we doing like going up, you know, the stairs or things like that and PTs are so uh, Function oriented. We want to make sure that you can do the things you want to do in your life independently as pain-free as possible To the best of your capacity, and I think that with the telehealth, one thing that a lot of my friends have said is, I can see the person can move their camera to the location of them doing an activity. You can actually see them in their everyday environments to help them, like reaching for the top shelf on the cabinet for frozen shoulder. Like we can actually test that very objectively without me having to do that based on your self-report. So there's all these small perks, and like you said, it, it. I don't. It's not an ideal situation, but it, in a lot of way, created a lot more avenues and pathways for us to treat uh, in ways that we never thought we could before.
0: Yeah, Um, I'll give you a a very pertinent example. So we pushed forward for all this telehealth. Obviously, COVID was spiking in in March and April. The uh, physician teams that were working closely with the patients that were um, diagnosed with COVID in the ICU and the emergency rooms asked us if, if we found any utility to working with these patients, telehealth, for when they return home and recover from COVID. I said, absolutely, we can probably create an easy at-home home exercise intervention plan that we can guide them through for two to three weeks as they recover. That quickly turned into a post-COVID rehab guideline by NYP, Columbia University, et cetera that was shared across the country. And it was simple. It was all stuff that, you know, you can find around your house, sit to stand, sidestep, wall push up, uh, scaption, all these different exercises that we do every day. You don't need to be in a clinic to do that. You don't need weights. Just go grab the flour out of your cupboard go grab a cup, uh, you know, a can of soup. And it quickly turned into interventions that we do for many diagnoses. But if you're kind of clever with it, you change it into a time based intervention and you now make it much more cardiovascular endurance specific for these patients to return back to where they were prior to. And so it turned into a huge influx of referrals for post COVID rehab. And we could do that via telehealth because we had no need to physically see them and touch them. We didn't have to physically put our hands on them for them to get better. They just needed the power and the knowledge to understand what they need to do to gradually recover back to where they were before the disease. And it was great, it was a great experience. We don't see too many now because thankfully so many more patients are out of the hospital and not getting um, diagnosed with that. But as we prepare for this second wave and if there is a, a huge spike, we're ready because of what we what we did.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, the foundation that was set in a, you know, urgent manner can, can only involve to make it even better because obviously things have worked. People right. have gotten better. Again, not an ideal situation, but things have worked, especially for the cases where you really didn't need to do manual work. You really didn't need to put your hands on the patient. Um, maybe the patient just Kind of wanted that to happen, but you didn't need for that to happen. You, you and I know. Well, you know, you and I know what we're talking about. It's, yeah. it's that self sufficientness It's that independence. It's about mm-hmm. um, being functional, and a lot of this can be done virtually.
0: And I'll tell you, the another population that works really well with is your chronic pain patients. Oh, how many times do you have that conversation about this is not a, a tight muscle situation? This is not a um, you know, I need pain medication or modalities. This is, you need to be more active in understanding of where your limits are with active movement and exercise. And so I've had some pretty good success with just kind of having the conversations with those patients and making them independent until they gradually are able to understand what they need to do on their own. Why, need, why do you need to bring them in? You don't, right? So um, if you're not going to need to put your hands on anyone, then I think telehealth is is fantastic. And it just, those are the positive things that have come out of this COVID awful timeframe. And it's interesting, I think the other thing is research. Think of how many research questions are gonna be born because of this disease. And you you say to yourself, well, well, how does that really apply to PT? I think there's so many applicable questions of PT that we can come up with because of this disease. Um, and I'm just excited about it. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, totally. And access too, right? Like there are all these people who just couldn't get to the clinic, whether it was a time thing or a distance thing or whatever the case is. And now all of a sudden you've just increased this patient pool of people who could be more functional in society and could live more independently. And now you have access to treating them.
0: I think it brought up a lot of awesome things. And like you said, things that we can improve upon now if they, if it had to happen again.
1: Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on projections for how this year is going to go in 2021, uh, just in both in terms of educational perspective, but also um, just clinically, like if there are things that uh, might evolve even further?
0: Well, I, I think... On an educational side, I think what we're going to see is more schools pushing forward to probably a, I don't want to say a hybrid format, because there are schools already out there that are doing hybrid formats. I believe USC is, is one that kind of offers both a online type of platform as well as an in-person platform, and that obviously happened before the pandemic. And so I wonder if the pandemic is now going to shift a lot of schools to think, hey, maybe we should offer a lot of what we already offer in some sort of setting where we give them all the didactic information and then set up a time of two weeks where they come in and do all their hands-on work. And, and that's sort of the model that USC took on. So I kind of have a, a, a feeling that a lot more programs are gonna maybe push that way. Now, the question is, is Do you reduce your costs and we all know PT costs, are school costs are are not low, depending on on the school that you're talking about and Our uh, reimbursement rate for insurances and or even if we own our own uh, Practices are not necessarily matching whatever we paid in school as uh, tuition. So there's a, a big disconnection there. So do we Offer that type of curriculum at a, in a way to offset some of the high costs. Do you charge less? Uh, Do you charge the same? So these are all questions that I'm kind of interested to see what happens on the grand scheme of things on the educational side. Um, I do think that there's a place that we can make that work. I do think that um, we can come up with a way that is beneficial for students and graduates and not really water down the education um, I think that's one of the fears from a lot of uh, uh, academics out there is that we may water down the education and not produce as good clinicians. But I I, I, I disagree. I think it depends on on the uh, uh, clinicians and the uh, professors that are teaching that course. You you can certainly keep the same content. Um, it just has to be taught maybe in a different type of environment in, in a way. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see if that's one of the changes that happens on the academic side of things. For, for us, uh, until the pandemic is gone, I think we're gonna stay in this hybrid format where we only bring students into uh, the classroom when they have a class that is hands-on. I think we're gonna keep the social distancing uh, set up where we have two or three different groups and our faculty is gonna just get wise in terms of How many um, uh, assistants or lab assistants are brought in to uh, help with the number of uh, different lab sections. Um, And I I think that's that's sort of what we're going to stick with for a little bit of time. We'll just get creative until everything blows over. And I think when it does blow over, we'll probably have to, all of us, we'll just reevaluate our curriculum. Is there anything that was good about this that we really liked that we want to make a change to? And what didn't we like? Do we have to kind of revert back to what we did before the pandemic or, or make an edit on that? And like I said before, I don't think we're going to be the only program that does that. I, 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 I am confident that so many other programs will do the same thing. They will reevaluate and reevaluate and figure out what was good and what was bad. So I think depending on how you look at it, you can look at this pandemic in a, in, a, in a way that was, this might provide us with good changes that we just never really had the foresight to see that we needed to make. Um, so I think that's one thing on the academic side. On the clinical side, I think telehealth is gonna be the big push. Um, I don't think it will supplement anything that we do in the clinic Um, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's very different to evaluate somebody in person versus via telehealth. But when it comes to knowing what that patient needs as treatment, telehealth might be more viable sometimes than in person. So I wonder if it creates kind of like this hybrid model. Your first visit is in person unless you are absolutely unable to come in because of where you live or other reasons. But every visit thereafter, you know what? You don't need to come in here this is, here's a band, here's a weight, I want you to take these and we will do everything telehealth. Um, I've done that with uh, three or four patients now, so, and it's worked out really well. Um, I like that model, I like it a lot because it allows you to feel confident as a clinician that you physically understand what was going on with this person because you were able to put your hands on them. And they feel confident that they also think that their clinician has done that and they know that it's just a exercise guidance type of thing you can do that via telehealth so i think that the telehealth um, push will be expanded a little bit and to just to finish off that thought the last thing is um, healthcare policy do insurance companies change what they have offered as benefits under certain policies so it was put into an emergency situation that telehealth would be covered for physical therapy. There's been talk that it doesn't stay that way. And so it will be up to us and our uh, APTA to essentially push for that to stay. And so if that's the case, I think we see a lot more patients take advantage of the fact that they have that as a healthcare benefit. And then that will only um, benefit us as PTs in our profession. So, I'm excited. I I think that's, I think that's the change that we see. I don't, it won't happen in this year, but maybe in the next two years.
1: Yeah, totally. And I hope that all of those changes are made with a lot of evidence and, you know, thinking about the patients, especially to back that up uh, and thinking about what's going on in the institutions uh, for students to get the maximum out of their education in order to be able to become good clinicians. So I hope that you know, both on the academic side and the clinical side of things. Um, and it sounds like it already has been moving in the right direction. So, you know, we'll just, we'll have to wait and see. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that variability is one of the biggest things that we could offer people, whether that's a patient or an edu- or a student, right. If you're the type of learner that learns being in person with someone Then you should not do a hybrid program where you are doing things online if you're the type of learner that's independent and can learn a lot just by uh, reading things independently watching videos and then going into a lab and practicing it thereafter then yeah hybrids for you so if we don't offer that variability we may be missing out on half of the population who learn better in a different manner um so i really love variability and then On the clinical side of things, the same exact thing. What if this patient doesn't need hands-on and they don't have the time to come in and they now just fall off your schedule because they're like, I just don't have the time for this and I can figure this out on my own. Well, maybe you can, maybe they can't. So they would benefit from a telehealth environment. And then obviously the opposite, those who need help ranging their shoulder or they they just need the manual therapy in the beginning.
1: Post-operative, especially. Right,
0: exactly, exactly. So I, I, I really believe that variability and offering that to both patients and students is is really critical as we go forward and something that I, I kind of hope that we see a lot more of in, in a number of different uh, clinics and, and academic programs.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Well, we're looking forward to the good things in the future. Hopefully we get all this vaccine stuff sorted out and, you know, we just... And live in a more uh, safe world so to speak yeah. <laughs> and feel yeah. more comfortable and you know give hugs again that would be nice yes
0: yes we all miss hugs
1: yeah anything else that you'd like to add today for the audience
0: uh, no I think uh, I think that was a great conversation I really like that we kind of touched on both what's what we did clinically and what the educational changes had had to be um, um, you know just as a faculty I'm really proud of of everything that they did, uh, we did. Uh, Everybody has worked so hard and countless hours have been put in uh, at the front lines and in the back end of things. Um, I know for a fact that uh, we have worked literally six and a half days a week just to make this work for students and um, if it's a shameless plug for any PT applicants out there, you know, Columbia will do that for you. At least our faculty will. So um, I'm, I'm just really proud of what we kind of did as a faculty and as a faculty practice. So I, I only see good things going forward and, and really positive outlook despite how grim this kind of pandemic has been for us but i think we'll find the the shining star so to speak in in the whole cloud that's that's come over us
1: yeah now if anybody is listening who thinks also that dr Said is the best clinician ever where do they book an appointment with you
0: <laughs> um well you can um yeah uh you find us on Instagram. We have uh, an Instagram handle as uh, Columbia PTFP. Uh, so that stands for Columbia PT Faculty Practice. Um, my uh, direct uh, phone number for uh, uh, appointments is 914 333 2404. We are pretty much in network with, with all insurance companies, um, provided uh, not, not with a very small few. Um, we have another faculty practice that's located uh, in Manhattan on the Columbia University Medical Campus as well, and uh, patients can also find us um, there. Our uh, website is on the uh, Columbia PT uh, Programs uh, we- website, which is uh, too long of a URL to-
1: I'll drop it in the show notes, don't worry. Yeah.
0: And that's another way that you can find us uh, there. In fact, uh, you can even think about uh, emailing us. We have an email that will go straight to our practice assistants, and that's ptfacultypractice at cumc.columbia.edu. And that's another way to get a hold of uh, needing any appointments, whether it's in person or telehealth. Perfect.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Hope we can see each other soon in person and say hi to everybody that I'm sure you still talk to from your class. Tell them I say hello.
1: Thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone gained a lot of new information out of this episode. Please subscribe and review the show. It means the world. I can't wait for you to listen to the next episode.